Welcome to Chapters, the podcast where we hear the stories of readers' lives through the books that have meant the most to them. I'm Mary Mahoney, and today I'm talking with Jordan McMillan-Reese, a graduate student in sociology. Jordan was raised in the South and homeschooled in a religious family. Today, we're going to hear how the books she's read have helped her to understand the world and her place within it. I should add that Jordan is a good friend, and our conversation reflects that. All right. Uh, so, Jordan, thank you so much for doing this with me. You're I know welcome. I, I, did I give you much of an option? I'm not sure. A little, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have said no anyway. That's fair. That's fair. Thank you. Um, but so, I am happy to say yes. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. You're so sweet. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to you because we're friends in real life, but I always feel IRL. like IRL, but <laughs> I always think that when you talk about with books with someone else, mm-hmm. it's a way of really getting to know them, sure. even if it's someone that you think you know pretty well. Um, so I think that I'll probably learn a lot about you. Um, so I'm really excited for that. So, but for people who are listening who don't have the pleasure of knowing you, maybe you could tell us a little something about yourself. Okay. So, um, I am currently a grad student at UConn in the sociology department studying demography and health. And I'm currently trying to figure out how to analyze Twitter data. Wow. Um, So we'll see how that goes. Um, That's something I decided to do yesterday. (laughs) Okay. Well, anyway. Good luck with that. Um, but where whereabouts are you from? All right. Um, I'm from Alabama. I grew up in central Alabama in around the Birmingham area, Birmingham metro area. Um, and when I was 19, I moved to Mobile, which is in the southern part of the state, mm-hmm. on, pretty much on the coast, on the bay, uh, to go to college. And I stayed there for a long time, <laughs> nine years. <laughs> Right. Nine years. Yeah. Wow. So I met my husband there and... The rest is history. The rest is history. And you came up to New England. Yeah. And... I was a social worker there for five years. Yep. Um, which surprises a lot of people because apparently I don't look like someone who would have done anything for five years. I what guess. does that mean? <laughs> but I guess I look young. I don't know. Oh, okay. I well, t- when the first time I mentioned it to my advisor, he was like, and nobody can see my face, but he was like, he like raised his eyebrows in kind of a weird way and was like really? <laughs> I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, I guess that explains a lot. I, mean, I don't know what that means. Wow. But I mean, that's not as dysfunctional a social interaction as you might expect between academics. Like it probably could have been worse. Oh yeah. But, you know, as we've learned, but yeah, I understand you're very youthful. You're young at heart. Yeah. Um, so I guess what I'm curious about from the beginning is what your earliest memories of reading are in okay. your life. So I don't really know if you would call this like a memory exactly, but it has always been part of my consciousness because my mom, I guess, always talked about it or she's probably bragging about it. Um, I have been, I I have been reading by myself since the time that I turned three. Like my mom was like very proud of the fact that I could read the little paper books with the owls on them. Oh yeah. I can't remember what they're called. Yeah. Um, But they like go in succession on level. Um, I've been reading those since I was three. And so that's sort of my 
I don't know if you call it my earliest memory because I don't know that I really remember doing that. that but it's um, a story people tell about you. It is a story that my mom tells about me. Wow. No one else cares. <laughs> well, do you have siblings? I have a brother. He probably cares because was he older or younger? He's younger. Oh. And it took him a lot longer to learn how to read. Uh-oh. So uh, he had uh, a learning disability, and he he's incredibly smart and mm-hmm. uh, is a fantastic student and a fantastic person. But that was sort of like a it was like a thing. <laughs> so maybe he cares about it in a different way. <laughs> but uh, or maybe he doesn't. But yeah, it's not on his right. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's really interesting. Yeah. So you were reading by yourself at three. Like, yeah. Can you remember like a time like how old were you when you developed your own interest in things that you wanted to read about? Things that I wanted to read about. I remember my mom taking me to the Pelham Library. Pelham's a town near where I lived. Um not the place in New York where the Denzel Washington movie took place. Um, <laughs> anyway. Sure. <laughs> side reference. Apologize. Thank you. Love the pop culture um, references. Keep but um, she took me to the library and I was I wanted books on horses. Uh, so. Whoa. <laughs> See, this fascinates me. What is it about young girls and stories about horses? I don't know. And the thing is, like, there was no, like, My Little Pony or... I don't know what else there is now. There was Black Beauty. Yeah. Black Beauty was a big thing. And I watched that movie a lot, despite the fact in hindsight, it was super boring. Like. (laughs) What happens in Black Beauty? What's the plot? Hell if I remember. (laughs) (laughs) I watched it so many times. I remember there was a horse and it was purchased. Uh (laughs) And that's all. I'm, I'm serious. I watched this movie so many times and I cannot tell you anything else about it. I can't remember anything. I remember... This woman, uh-huh. I think she was the wife of the person who bought the horse. And she said, she named the, the horse Beauty, Black mm-hmm. Beauty. And she said, Beauty is as Beauty does. And her husband was like, that's a stupid name. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. And she was like, well, Black Beauty or something. You know, that's that's the only clear memory of that movie that I have now. And yet it stayed with you. It but did. what's weird is that you remember the movie, but not the book. Did you no. read the book? Or you were just signed on to the movie? Well, so the movie was a thing when I was a little young to be reading a book like that, I uh-huh. guess. Um, I think. Oh, it's kind of fuzzy. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't recall reading Black Beauty, actually. Fair enough. But well, you had that interest in horses. I did, however, read many Misty of Chincoteague books. What are What's going on with that? Oh, you don't know those Tell books? Tell us okay. about that. They're books <clears throat> excuse me books about horses <laughs> um <laughs> clearly given the conversation <laughs> um but it's actually sort of based on a true story so it's, i think it's i think it's a fictional story about something that actually happened okay uh, i guess you call that historical fiction sure <laughs> but it seems like a loose interpretation of it um but that's it's how lifetime operates it is yeah it's how lifetime operates although Historical i don't fiction i feel like it's not fair to uh equate misty of chinkatee which was what a wonderful experience what is the title experience. of this series misty yep of chinkatee chinkatee is a place in virginia okay um it is an island actually in virginia got it so off the coast of virginia there are actually two islands chinkatee and acetee and Assateague is a wildlife refuge. Okay. And I actually don't know how this came to be, but a lot of ponies live there. Okay. Like a lot of ponies. Okay. And every year, ostensibly as like a way to help control 
<laughs> the pony population. Um, they go and they capture ponies and they swim them across the channel between the two islands. And uh, then they spend some given amount of time breaking them and training them. And then they have um, a carnival and they sell all the ponies. And this sort of collectively is called the Pony Roundup. Or maybe some part of it's called the Pony Roundup and the rest of it's called something else. But anyway, there's a Pony Roundup. They go get the ponies. They swim them across and then they they sell them. And it's it's a whole thing. It's like... um, Wow. Yeah, it's it's a vacation spot. But then there's also like locals who... Do that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, and uh, I, I went to Chincoteague when I was probably 12. Was the trip inspired by the books? It was not, actually. Wow. Sort of random. I had already been reading the books okay. um, before I went. And some friends of our family were like, hey, go on vacation with us. And so my mom and my brother and I drove with Kim and Hannah and Rebecca to... Allentown, actually, to start with. Spent a week there with Kim's family and then went to Chincoteague for a week. Wow. Uh, and stayed in, like, a family friend's home, like, vacation home. And uh, it was it was a neat experience. And we were there for the carnival, not for the actual, like, not the big, like, the actual, like. Swimming the ponies across We weren't the there channel. for the swimming for across the channels. And we weren't there for, like, the the big official, like, pony sale. So, like, they have, like, a like a series of days where that are devoted to that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, uh, we weren't there for that, but the the carnival that goes on like all throughout that was, was going on then. Hmm. And it was, it was an interesting. Did, were you, so did you bring the books with you? Or were you I bought to... new, new books there. I had wow. only read the first book because um, I only knew about the first book before I went up there and I had read it a couple of times. And um, what is the plot <clears throat> of an average Misty of Chincoteague book. Let's see. So the one that I remember the most clearly, probably because I read it more than once, was um, Misty of Chincoteague, the first one. Mm -hmm. And I want to say there was a brother and a sister. And they... Honestly, I want to say they were living with a grandparent. It's been so long since I've read these books. I didn't, like, take them with me into my teenage years. Um, I, I'm a habitual rereader, but uh, hmm. um, these didn't make it into my, like, forever to reread repertoire. <laughs> um, but uh, kids, like, staying with a family member for the summer and, like, going through this, like, experience of the swimming the horses across the channel and taking part in it. Right. And, uh, and one of their, one of their family members bought them the horse. I want to say something on so, that. Like, there was some kind of come? drama <laughs> and I can't remember what the drama was. I imagine it's like <clears throat> the girl gets emotionally attached to a pony and then is confronted yeah. with having to lose the pony. Yeah. I feel like that must've been what it was. <laughs> Sounds about right. It's almost guaranteed to be what it was. <laughs> and the second book was about Misty, the horse, uh, having a baby and I think they sold it, which is terrible. Whoa. Um, so, yeah. That's very So sad. that's Misty of Chincoteague. And so did it add to the experience to actually... Had you ever read a book before that was set in the place that you physically were? Um, not in a way that was so, I guess, seemingly random. Mm-hmm. I probably read stories about other places. Yeah. Um, like around Alabama or something. You know, like... Uh, trying to think well like to kill a mockingbird like i was familiar with that and before you know when i was young yeah and i uh, had seen the play at a children's theater i hadn't read the book yet um 
And so, you know, like, and I've been to Memorable, and which is where it's kind of set. And, yeah. Um, so there's that. But, um, you know, like, Misty of Chincoteague was, like, <laughs> it's kind of random. Like, <laughs> So that was, was that the only horse kind of tales that you were into? I guess. Because... Like, what, I guess I'm just fascinated with, you're not alone in this, so a no. lot of young girls go through a phase where it's all about horses. Yeah. I didn't go through that phase, so I guess I'm just curious to someone who didn't. I mean, did you have a horse? Were you horseback riding in real life? Well, I'm kind of. We did not have horses. My neighbors had horses. Okay. And um, so it wasn't like I was riding all the time, um, but I rode often enough to be like, I know how to ride. Like, if you presented me with a horse I could get on it without hurting myself or anyone else unlike me yeah like you know like and I know like the basics of caring for a horse enough to know that if I ever have one I will need to also have someone to take care of it because I ain't got time for that like (laughs) okay feels very involved yeah, it um, seems like a lot of work. It yeah, is. Yeah, it's a real act of love to care for a horse. It is. And, like, a lot of time. I get really anxious about, like, the health of my animals. So, like, I don't know. Horses are still so much more mysterious to me than, like, my dog. I would be always afraid that there was something wrong with it. Or, like, if, when they're, you know, their hooves, like, split yeah. and stuff. And, like, at a certain point that becomes painful for them. So, like... I don't know. Um, yeah. I get really anxious about that. <laughs> I'm afraid of any animals whose weight and height challenge my own. Yeah. So horses would be out. Let's be honest, a lot of dogs. Yeah. I'm fairly, true. fairly low to the ground. It's true. My dogs would be good for you. Yeah. I like your dogs. Yeah, they're, um, they're pretty cool. So you went through this horse phase. How long did that last? But you know, it's so weird because I don't really, like looking back on my life, yeah. think of a horse phase. Like, I think of my nostalgic music phase, you know, which we have in common. Yes. Um, We were both weird teenagers who liked (laughs) things that weren't completely age appropriate. That's 100% correct. And uh, I think of my babysitter's club phase. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let's talk about that. So did that come probably after the horse non-phase in your reading life? No, I guess they were. Was actually, it concurrent? Concurrent. Yeah. Like I probably started reading the Babysitters Club. I remember the day that I got my first Babysitters Club book. Tell us about it. Okay, so um, I had this, I had this friend from back home. We went to church together, and we went to Walmart. <laughs> I mean, we were we were in Chelsea, Alabama, which is in the Birmingham metro area, which means something more now than it did then, I think. Uh, and uh, Walmart was pretty much the only store around. Walmart and Winn-Dixie, which is a grocery store, in case you, <laughs> you didn't know. No, you yeah. don't have that in Connecticut. Um, Winn-Dixie's a good grocery store. Okay. Um, so we went to Walmart, and um, Amanda was a year a- ahead of me, and um, she immediately like went to the book section. She's also like a big reader. She actually is an English teacher now. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, seemingly a very cool person. I only keep up with her on Facebook. But... Um, she was like, I love these books. And she picked up Babysitter's Club book. And I was like, oh, like, what are they? And so she started, you know, telling me about them. And her mom was like, uh, pick one up and I'll buy you one. And I'm pretty sure I picked up the first one. That makes sense. Um, I, I probably read 80 of the first 100 Babysitter's Club books. Wow. And Probably. Um, and not in order, I don't think. Yeah. Um, and I also read some, you know, the like, Babysitter's Club had side series. I read a bunch of those, too. The Junior too. Babysitter Club. I did not read those. That was the Babysitter, Babysitter's Club Little Sister. And I did not that read. That was not for you. It was not for me. Also, like, by the time that came out, I was, like, on the 
the top end of the Babysitter's yeah. Club, like, yeah. fandom. So I read, like, the summer vacation ones. Oh, yeah. Uh, that were thicker. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> and um, the uh, mystery ones. Those were the best. Yeah, the mystery yeah. ones were good. Like, those were actually the only mystery books I could really handle. I read a Nancy Drew book when I was probably, like, eight. You weren't into it? I loved reading it, but I'm a very sensitive person, and I was a very sensitive child, and it terrified me. Why? It was about a black widow, and okay. it terrified me. Why? I don't, I, I don't know. Like, I like I, I seriously have always been, like, very sensitive. Not just, like, oh, like, I cry easily or whatever. Yeah. That's not particularly true. Okay. Um, But, like... It kept me awake at night. Like, every time I closed my eyes, I would, like, see, like, a horrible evil spider in an eerily lit attic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Are you still like that? Yes. Wow. Not so bad anymore. Do books scare you more than movies or TV or other things that kind of, like... Not necessarily, no. No. Uh, Strangers scared the fucking hell out of me. Sorry, I don't know if... That's fine. You can say whatever you want. (laughs) It's... Strangers is like hands down one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Really? That movie with Liv Tyler. Wow, I've yeah. never seen it. I very begrudgingly watched it um, because I don't like watching movies like that. Yeah, I don't see any scary movies. So yeah, like, I, like there's some that I like. I love Guillermo del Toro movies. Like I love them, but uh, but like Strangers could actually happen, and it was, it was horrible. And I knew I didn't want to see it. My husband had seen it, and he was like, "Babe, I don't think you're gonna like it. Like you don't usually like these kind of movies," um, and. A group of our friends got together, and I was pretty much told to take one for the team. (laughs) So I I did. It was, uh, and I still hold a grudge about that, actually. Wow. Wow. Uh, Like, I I was angry then, and I am still angry (laughs) about it, but I did watch it. I like that you're telling me how angry you are when you're giggling. (laughs) That's disturbing. Um, (laughs) Tells you something about the depth of my anger. Yeah. It feels real. Um, Yeah. So let me circle back for a second. Yes. Because I Babysitter's kill. Club is such a foundational thing. Hugely foundational. Like for ridiculous. For a lot of women our age. So what is it about that series? Because let's, let's think for a second. There mm-hmm. were so many series that we had to choose from. There was the Sweet Valley High. Which my very best friend yes. adored. She was in a SVH. Except it wasn't Sweet even, it was not Sweet Valley High, if you recall. It was Sweet Valley. Sweet Valley Twins. Twins. First. And Sweet Valley High was like the grown up version that we read when we got a little bit older. Correct. And some of our parents were uncomfortable with us reading possibly. Oh, you couldn't, yeah. yeah because I did were... read them, but it was still, my mom, I, I remember reading them and thinking if my mom knew that they were like, this is what it was about, she probably wouldn't like it. Because didn't they have like a Jeep and they were going around and getting into all kinds of stuff in high school? Oh yeah. No, listen, there's a mental floss post about some the like I think it's the top ten most ridiculous <laughs> plot, uh, plot plot points yes. of the Sweet Valley High series. Yeah. Seriously, it's mental floss. You should look it up. It's fantastic. We should reread some of them because I feel like now we would have it would blow our minds. There was also that god awful TV show. Don't even hate on that show. That I mean, was, I watched honestly, it. Honestly, we watched it. So dramatic. It, it was, was like it was right so satisfying as a young teen for there to be so much drama. There like, was, it was so just much like, drama. But you know what? Like, didn't you resent it when you actually got to high school? So when we were like in grade school and um, even middle school, I had co- girl cousins who were just enough older than me that they were in high school when I was in mm-hmm. grammar school, and I was reading. Sweet Valley High, and I was watching Saved by the Bell and California Dreamin'. Oh, California Dreamin'. Or Hoop Dreams or all of those shows that were on Saturday morning. Hoop Dreams was where the girl was on the men's basketball team and she like falls in love with one of them. And she was blonde. She was blonde. 
And they were always going away on tournaments in ways yes. that felt insane for high school basketball teams, yes. but that's besides the There point. was a cheerleader. There was a cheerleader, yes. She was like a ginger too, right? Like, I think I remember this show. Yeah. And California yeah. Dreaming was a band. They sang yeah. their own theme song, all yeah. this stuff. Saved by the Bell, I don't even have to go into. No joke. I get the theme song to California Dreaming stuck in my head sometimes. Surf dudes with attitudes. Kind of groovy. Laid back moves. Sky above, sand below. Good vibrations. Feeling mellow. Won't give it up. Don't want to stop. Don't wake me up. Don't wake me up if I'm dreaming. California dreams. Just let me lay here in the sun until my dream is done. It's a gem. It's yeah. a real gem. You know what? I will put it on the website for do this it. podcast. Please so if do you're it. listening and you need to hear it, like yeah. pause, go listen to it, come back. Yeah. It's um, it's a gem. It's a gem. It's a real gem. <laughs> um but I feel like we took in all of this stuff about like kind of imagining what high school would be like mm-hmm. before we got to high school. And then I can't speak for your experience, but when I got to high school, it was a major letdown. I mean, nobody was trying to take me on an adventure to the beach. No one wanted to form a band and write our own theme song. Or, and frankly, I didn't want to be on the boys' basketball team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so my experience was super different because if you will recall, (laughs) I homeschooled. Yes, that's correct. You were homeschooled for all of school. I went to one semester of a private kindergarten. So I'm not counting that. <laughs> yeah, don't Do you count even that. remember that? I remember it vividly. Because it was like your only semester of school. Yeah, well, and like I I butted heads with the with the teacher. Oh. If you can imagine me, like I'm not like a combative person. Like you no, you know you're me like, very nice. Like and I'm very agreeable, but um they moved me out of regular kindergarten into what they call like pre first. Okay. So it's like, you know, for kids who already know how to read and stuff. Right. And um so I'm in there. And so first of all, I, I think I went to daycare a little bit, but, and I was socialized to other children, but I was not socialized like rules of the classroom. Okay. Um, so like, I just like wanted to talk to people. And so I would talk and the teacher would be like, Jordan, like, and she'd do like that stupid, like counting down thing. And it like, and it would like, like Jordan, you have to stop talking in like, like, I'm not going to stop talking. (laughs) Immediately, you don't have to count down for so me to stop talking. So she would say, like, you mu- Jordan, you have to stop talking in five, four, yes. three, two, and I'm one. like, you don't have to do that. Like, I'm gonna stop talking because you like have embarrassed me. That's um, so sad. And it destroyed my world when no. my clothespin would get moved from the smiley face to the straight face oh, because no. they talked too much. Oh no. Also, one time uh, we were tracing letters um, to practice our handwriting, and I traced mine so well that it looked like I had not traced them. And it's not because I was so good at it. It was because I was very painstaking about it. Yes. <laughs> and um, she made me redo them. And so I had to do them messy so wow. that she would believe that I did them. Um, and it also was a very frustrating experience to me um, that we were not allowed to have pencils with erasers. We had those fat blue pencils with no erasers. And it bothered me so like you know they teach you to write a d as a circle and a stick right like instead of all in one motion like you actually do um and so i would write my circle and sometimes my stick would be a little too far over and i couldn't erase it to fix it and it was it was a huge frustration for me yeah like so i would like color in between them like to make it look and so that it was just a very frustrating experience 
<laughs> so it wasn't like the best time of your life. So then no. you went for one semester and then you yeah. were homeschooled yeah. from the rest of kindergarten through high school. Yes. Wow. Yes. So can you maybe talk a little bit about, because I was never homeschooled. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to school a lot in high school, mm-hmm. which I guess you could call homeschool, but it kind of was like my own unofficial, unsanctioned right. program. Right. But you you were homeschooled for this entire time. So mm-hmm. what was it like to be homeschooled? I mean... I guess it's all you know. Yeah. Right? I mean, I did go to college, so right. I at so, least have that. But, of course, that's a very different kind of experience. But but um, it was Did you know, fine. were a lot of other kids <laughs> in your world homeschooled, too? Yes and no. So my very best friend, who loved Sweet Valley Twins, uh, and then later Sweet Valley High, um, she was homeschooled. That's how we met. Okay. And... I guess she was my only really good friend who was homeschooled for most of the time. I think I probably, I, I can think of a couple of people that like I was friends with here and there, but like mm-hmm. Shay's been my best friend since we were five yeah. and she lives in Indianapolis now. And um, so she homeschooled, but we were also like super involved with our church. Okay. And so a lot of my friends went to the private school that I actually started at, okay. which was part of our church. Okay. And um, so, like, I, I had a connection to that. But, I, like, my homeschool experience was extremely social. I don't know what it's actually like for other people. Um, but I feel like maybe my experience was sort of particular. Like, the, the school that we were a part of was very like, well-planned, I guess, and very, like, organized and very big. By the time I graduated, there were, like, 700 families, like, in the, yeah. in the homeschool school (laughs) and uh and it was like split up by geography and my mom was like the group leader of our geographic area got it and so we went on a lot of field trips that my mom planned um I took a lot of co-op classes which is where homeschoolers get together and somebody actually teaches a class Uh oh cool sometimes you just do it for fun like I took an honors English class and I took a bible class and a couple of other things that weren't like necessary for me to take as a co-op but then I also took things that like my parents couldn't teach me like Spanish. I took Spanish in a co-op and um, I took chemistry. Um, so you got to hang out with other kids and yeah. see things. So, um, hmm. I mean, I just kind of blows my mind because like every day is a parent-teacher conference for you in homeschool. It's true. It, well, I mean, I was very independent. I was an yeah. independent learner. So... So did you you get to kind of pick if, say, for like your air quotes English class, did you get to kind of pick what you wanted to read? Sometimes. Sometimes not. Actually, this this is funny. So um, I hate Jane Eyre and I will hate it forever. How dare you? Because. Because. Jordan, I almost have to stop the tape (laughs) and hash this out with you off tape. (laughs) Listen, it's not my fault. I don't want this to take a turn, but you should have told me this before this started. (laughs) Let me explain myself. So as a homeschooled person, um, I was not immune to the, I hate this because I have to do it um, experience. Okay. Because there were plenty of things that I had to do, like algebra, which it turns out I'm actually pretty good at. And I do quantitative stuff now, but at the time. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, yeah. At the time, I was still in that, oh my God, this is terrible. This isn't natural. And girls aren't supposed to like this either. So, you know, there's that. There's that whole thing. We'll get into that later. Yeah. (laughs) Um, There's that whole thing, right? But um, I had to read Jane Eyre. I also do. I don't know. 12, something like that. Yeah, 13. Okay. Tell me, 
why you don't like because that I book. had to read it and it was it was different like at the at that point I wasn't like into Jane Austen or anything which of course is not the same uh, as Jane Eyre like you know the Bronte sisters are not the same as Jane Austen but no. but you could see why I would maybe connect them you know Hold in on my a mind like, so you were reading Jane Austen at the same time I wasn't so okay. I hadn't really like I kind of had a vague idea. Of who it was, who she was, but yeah. I hadn't like read Pride and Prejudice or anything, so I wasn't like into that sort of era okay. of reading. Sure, except for one caveat, which we can get back to later. Um, <laughs> okay. <coughs> um, and so, and I really liked that one caveat, <laughs> so uh, that was also my measuring stick, and so it just was like it was foreign to me, and it wasn't my favorite set of books, and. It was hard, Jan I guess. Hard to read. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. It was also kind of a downer, if you recall. Listen. <laughs> so it was just, like just generally, I resented having to do it. Probably if I had like, if my mom had said, "Hey, I picked this book up for you." So uh, it could have been anything, but just because your parents yeah, told you to read because it. I also hated My Side of the Mountain, which in hindsight, like, I read that when I was much younger. Yeah. Uh, in hindsight, it's a pretty excellent book. Um, have but, you attempted to reread Jane Eyre since? You, I haven't. Not even one time. Because you came out pretty hard against Jane Eyre. Yeah. Just now. I did. Not like, not like. Listen, this book its, has everything you could possibly want. I guess. Really it has a lot of things that you would not lead, want. Such as? All of the downer stuff. <laughs> so you don't read anything that's a downer? No, I read a lot of things so that are downers, actually. So when you got to the Babysitter's Club number three, where Stacy reveals she has diabetes, you just were like, this is too much of a downer. I'm going to jump to book four. No, I read a lot of books that are downers, actually. Now, but not yeah. then. Yeah. So you don't, when you go to pick out a book, you want something that's going to, at least 13-year-old you, 13 -year -old did not me. want to be told what to read, and if you chose what to read you didn't want to have anything that was a downer. Well, I didn't want anything that was like gratuitously downer. You know, like... I just can't even talk about this with you. You need to reread it. I will reread it. And, and we then will I'll have you back on the podcast yeah. to defend yourself. We'll re well, well, I will reassess and we can discuss. Wow. Yeah. But the important caveat was um, the Anne of Green Gables series. Okay, yes. Um, I must admit, right now, I never made it all the way through Rainbow Valley or Rilla of Ingleside. I think that's which are, fine. Those are the last two books, and they they're really not about Anne. They're not at all. No. And, and I don't really have a lot of patience for that. Wow. Um, yeah, you need Anne-centered books. <laughs> I do. It's not worth your time. Um, those are my favorite books. Why? Fascinating. Um, they will always be my favorite books. Um, Anne of Windy Poplars is everyone's least favorite, and it is one of my most favorite. Why? Um, Which one? So, what happens in that book in the end story? So, um, Anne of Windy Poplars is the one of the books. It actually was written. It's sort of in the set now as book four, but it wasn't in the original chronology of books. Okay. So uh, Ellen Montgomery sort of pulled a um, uh, C.S. Lewis <laughs> in terms of uh, book ordering, and so now you have to like Google what order to read. <laughs> Um, the C.S. Lewis, what are the books called? Um, the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. Like you have to Google it to see what order you should read them in. And different people will tell you different orders based on like the purpose of your reading of it. Oh boy. Do you, have you read those books? Yeah. Okay. <coughs> I have read those books. So um, what happens in that, like, what is the point in Anne's life that that book covers? So she is away. Um, she's already, 
Hang is on. Is that the college year books? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, but there's also like college years in Anne of the Island too. Yeah, so it's like, a, so it's like college and teaching and, or maybe just teaching actually. And, and I like, it was, it was a lot of letters back and forth. And I, and I, I liked the, uh, the, uh, setup. Also, we were already secure in the Anne and Gilbert situation. Yeah. And so you could kind of breathe <laughs> about it. <laughs> like Gil wasn't going to die. And I mean, <clears throat> and, uh, that he wasn't going to marry someone else. And Anne wasn't going to marry someone else. Not that we ever thought that she would. But, you know, like, we're secure now. Like, they're in it to win it, and we don't have to worry about it. What drew so. you in about Anne? Is it that you identified with her? Probably, although not totally. Yeah. Um, so, well, what drew me in is that I never had a choice. Um, <laughs> my earliest memory of reading, probably. Yeah. Not of picking out a book or choosing a book um, and not of a story that was told about me. But my actual earliest memories of reading is my mom reading those books to me. Oh, and wow. I think she started reading those books to me when I was like four. Wow. Like I was small enough. I remember the house that we lived in and we moved out of that house right after I turned five. Um, and it, I, my brother and I were small enough that my mom could lay on the couch with her knees up. And we could sit in a little cubby hole that was made in the right angle of our legs to the couch. We would both fit. Oh, that's so, cute. So we would sit there and she would read to us. Wow. Um, um, with a blanket that she made for my dad. It was, you know. So. Um, so it's a nice memory. Yeah. She also read us some of the uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder books, which I read, but I just liked Anne better. You didn't connect with Half Pint? I, I didn't connect with Half Pint. I read, I, I think I read the first three books of those my mom read them to my mom read me some of them i read some of them on my own yeah um but uh what's weird about both of those series i think is that we grew up with those books but we also grew up at a time when adaptations of Mm -hmm. those series had been made in different mediums but were really prominent so i read those books i think i had a similar experience where Mm -hmm. i read I read Little House on the Prairie when I was young and I read, I was, my mom read Anne of Green Gables to me and then Mm -hmm. I kept reading, but I was also simultaneously aware of the show, Little Mm -hmm. House on the Prairie, which is very different than the books. Yeah. And then also the Anne of Green Gables. Which are not different though. Those are very, very Those are very true to the books. They they leave a lot of stuff out. Except for part three. (laughs) No one else can see the face. you just gave me. Oh my God. (laughs) No. That is I dead didn't to me. I make part three. I wasn't responsible. <laughs> it is for not that. a real I'm just thing. Just telling you it exists. It is not a real thing. I do not know what Kevin Sullivan thought he was doing when he made those movies. What? Maybe he had some bills to pay. I guess. Like maybe like Canada does not pay their filmmakers very well, and like he was not able to continue his like the writing the first two movies, wow. which he did not write. He, I believe, directed the first two movies. Yes. Uh, directed and or produced. I can't remember. I, can't remember. I don't have a mind for those those things. I don't remember. It's those been things. a while since I've but seen But he them, I'm pretty sure he wrote the third one. Like the third one was like his baby. Oh, man. And it's god awful. It's not made based on anything that exists. And it's it, not like I could I could forgive that. Like I could forgive throwing away the fact that there are like six more books after the first ones on which the first two movies are based or the first two miniseries are based. But it was like, he did not even know Anne. Like he didn't even know her. And I'm like, how do you not know her? Yeah. Like you made these, like we know her. It is so easy to know her 
there's these books. They're not that long. Yeah. Like, read them if you haven't already. Like, which and he, he invents so much stuff where he's it's basically absurd. like, I really want World War One to be in the mix, and I really want this like other guy reporter to be in the mix. Anne has like some Anne loves Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> Gilbert. Wow, you might have to like I don't know soften my voice there. In the uh, you're very you're very passionate about this. And I respect I am. that about Listen. you. But, um, it's Listen, a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And R.I.P. That actor is now no longer with he us. He is. Aneurysm, so, right? It was something crazy it was and sudden. Very sudden. And yeah. I don't know that we ever got the whole story on that, but I mean, I'll have to do some research. My brother texted me. me. He yeah. was like, Did you know? Because he liked the movies too. I don't know if he ever read the books beyond what my mom I read to us. I think you texted me that day. Yeah. And we're like, or yeah. somebody did. And I was just very like, recent. Oh. And so now we can't, we'll never get another remake. I guess that's why it's even more damning. No. No, no, no. I feel like I heard something. What do you mean? That maybe that... No, you know what's happening They're rebooting now. it. No, the producer of Breaking Bad is rebooting it. Yeah, that's what I heard. Did you share that on Facebook? I think I shared that because I was... Concerned. Concerned. I mean, that's right. I'm a fan. Okay, so we, I knew we had talked <laughs> we about had this. We had talked about this. I knew we had talked about because this. Because Breaking... Yeah. I enjoy Breaking... I liked Breaking Bad. I have not finished Breaking Bad. It's very good, but I just don't know if, like, that energy is going to come... Like, I don't know where she's coming at it from. Yeah. In a sense, the Breaking Bad producer should be remaking Jane Eyre, because that is the energy that Jane it's Eyre true. needs. It's true, but you know what? Like, I'm going to go into it with an open mind, because the person who is responsible for the first twilight movie which is inarguably horrible <laughs> even if you like even if you like the books okay it's it's just undeniably bad um she made jessica jones which uh, the tv show which you on like netflix which is undeniably excellent okay so not just in like storyline so but, you're keeping an open <clears throat> mind about Anne. i'm gonna keep an open mind because like if i had known that katherine yeah. hardwick was responsible for jessica jones i might not have watched it wow because yeah i mean you saw twilight i'm sure like, uh, it was very I have bad seen the first movie i have you read the books the yes. twilight books did you read all f- there's four there How, are four did you read all four i did um what did you make of the books so it's the kind of thing that you get swept up in anyway you know what yeah. i mean like so like even if you're like mm, this is weird you're still like mm, i gotta read this <laughs> so yeah. did you read them someone <clears throat> when i was in college somebody had all the books yeah. and i had already recommended like say 10 books to this person yeah. and they had very dutifully read all 10 mm-hmm. i had not read anything in return so I was kind of a bad book yeah. friend in that sense. But she was so swept up in these books and was mm-hmm. like, can you please just read these? Do me the favor of reading yeah. these books. And I won't even go into this, but I read the fourth one on a plane <laughs> back from back from Ireland. So I was going to visit my cousins and someone, I had the book, I brought that book with me to read on the plane. because It's the kind of thing you have to wrap in brown paper Here's the almost. thing, yeah, 110%. I had read, I was like very, I was trying to hide the book and mm-hmm. I had also taken something to help me sleep on the plane because oh, I'm no. afraid to fly. Oh. And it made me a little bit loopy. And so apparently I Dude, just, I'd fly to New York from here if they would let me. I, I'm sure you would. And the thing is, one of my brothers is a pilot, so yeah. I understand yeah. he has tried to like rationally tell me about how flying works, and I understand sort of roughly the science of but it. But it is what it that is. That has so. nothing to do with fear. So yeah. I, I'll do it gladly because I prefer flying, but I don't enjoy it. Yeah. I don't like to look out the window, none of that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to read this long fourth book on this it flight home. And I was trying to hide it. 
And I read, I finished it on the plane. And this woman across the aisle from me was like, I know what you're reading. (laughs) And I was like, oh God, like, don't judge me. I was like, listen, it's not like this. It's the kind of thing that you really do have to like. You kind of have to secretly be like, listen, this is not who I am. Like, you're a stranger, but I don't want you to leave this plane thinking that this is who I am. You know what though? I actually, I feel like I have a really complicated relationship with these books. Why? Tell me more. So, So the first time I read them was... I can't remember if it was before the third book came out Mm -hmm. or before the fourth book came out. Yeah. I can't remember. My sister-in-law started reading them. She she read Twilight, the first book. Okay. And um, my roommate at the time, I think, was reading them, but I I don't think I was. I think my roommate and I were kind of on the outs at the time. So I'm pretty sure she's a bad person. If you're listening to this, you know who you are. It's not Megan. (laughs) You're not a good person. Whoa. On a scale of one to Jane Eyre. <laughs> no, that's not like fair to Jane Eyre. List. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. She's, she's not she's not a nice person. Okay. Well, in my opinion. I'm sorry. that. Um, anyway, so Erica, my sister-in-law, who I love very much, um, read Twilight and suggested that I read it. And I think I borrowed it from her. Yeah. And read it in just a couple of days. Like, I mean, it's pretty engaging. And, I, and so I read, you know, the... The rest of the books, like, I, I bought the two that came out. And it was, like, a very, like, people hated on it hardcore. A lot of really young girls were super into it, which I was not right. young. And uh, <clears throat> we went to see the movies and, you know, tried to make room in our brains for the movies to be good. And they were all very, very bad. And um, I was really free. I've only seen the first one. So and I was really freaked out by that movie. The like, color I of just, it was very weird. The color of it is very Robert weird. Robert Pattinson is just unfortunately not a great actor. I mean, the whole thing. I yeah. just... And the dialogue in the books is so terrible. Yeah. I don't know if you remember It can be a little stiff. Like, I mean, it's a, the books are a very fast read, but it's they're because very fast. it's not, like, anything earth-shattering. And right. the whole time, I was just thinking, like... Uh, like there's a lot of holes in the, in the logic. Oh my God. So many, so So many. You're reading it. You kind of have to suspend belief on a level that's completely insane. So, so like I read them and then, you know, like got over them like you do. And I I think probably when we moved up here, I sent, I hadn't touched the books in ages. So I sent them to like a thrift store or something. And, um, my sister-in-law I, I, you know, mentally, until, like, I started going to graduate school, and there's a lot of, like, feminist critiques of, of the books, sure. right? Uh, and, and a lot of other kinds of critiques, some pseudo-feminist critiques of it as well. Like, people who, like, want legitimate reasons to hate it besides just icky, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And so they sort of give it, like, a pseudo-feminist critique, although there are some legitimate feminist critiques. Um, and so, you know, that sort of entered into my consciousness. And then um, um, a year ago... Not even a year ago. It was last summer when we were working together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my sister-in-law started reading them again. She has them. And she was like, I just started reading Twilight again. And, like, it's it's an interesting ride, basically. Like, we could rereading them. I mean, we were adults when we read them the first time. But we're, like, yeah. more of an adult now. Like, we're both, like, almost – she is 30. I'm almost 30. And um, so I checked them out from the library. It's Whoa. true. Actually, I think I still have one on my bookshelf because I've read to take it back. You did not tell me <laughs> this. You've been doing this kind of on a DL. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But so I reread them and like I was rereading them from like this new like, I mean, I've always been a feminist, but like this new like armed with feminist knowledge 
perspective. And I honestly was kind of frustrated at how the books are talked about. Because yeah, like the dialogue is not that great. But you know what, they're a lot better than a lot of books that get really popular. I mean, I'm sorry, Dean Koontz is not that great. And they're at least as well written as the like last two Odd Thomas books, which were horrible. Like they're at least as well written as that. And I think some of the other critiques come from like this idea that like what women want is weird and what women what women want is ugly or bad and like it it should only fit what guys want women to want and so so like I feel like sometimes the critiques especially the like non-academic critiques right like not that I put a lot of stock in academia but they tend to kind of follow that logic of ooh, this is weird this is yucky like why why would you want to read that that's trash well a lot of times what women want is called trash and so, not that women want this in particular, but you see what I'm saying. Yeah. It was it's written by... It's trash. Yeah, it was written by a woman for, essentially for women in mind. Right. It's kind of like, there's a long history of women being shamed for reading romance novels. Yeah. And yet, that genre persists as one of the most popular and yeah. commercially successful genres. Absolutely. And the thing is, like, I mean, men watching porn is very normalized. Like it's, it is what it is. It's this huge industry. And even when it's violent against women, we're still down with it because it's what, you know, it's normal. Like guys are supposed to like that. And a lot of girls like it too, but Mm -hmm. you know, like that's the rhetoric is that guys like it, but women read romance novels, which really aren't the same thing, but, but I guess you could maybe think of the industries in a similar way. Um, well, and then Fifty Shades of Grey came out. I, that's a whole thing. But that no, but that's a, that began its life as a fan fiction of Twilight, correct? I have not I read so. those books. Full disclosure. Yeah. So I I've only read descriptions. So I oh, can't the Fifty. Really, yeah, I haven't either. Yeah, I haven't read them. But I mean, those have been wildly popular too. Yeah. I mean, for me, the things that are icky about Twilight are the plot line of um, what's the other one's name? Not Edward Jacob. Yeah. Um, the werewolf. The werewolf. But the way that he maps on the child. Yeah, it's so book. weird. I mean, it's so I'm sorry. Weird. That's just like, I can't. Weird. It's not okay. Well, and there's some like legitimate, like, so like Edward was like super controlling, but that was also countered by the fact that like Bella was like, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, right. so like, yeah. yeah, like he did a lot of like super inappropriate things. And I think the feminist critiques of that are absolutely spot on. Right. And she probably should have dumped his ass. But at the same time, like, Sometimes you love people, you yeah. do, and yeah. and that's a hard thing to do. And she like she had a lot of independence, even within even within like the world that was created there. Like she she had a lot of independence. I think people like are critiquing sometimes books that are geared towards young women or women because I think there's a fear, or the way we talk about some of those genres mm-hmm. is that okay, the danger is that young girls will identify with the lead. Mm-hmm. And if this person is not a paragon of virtue, right. then, oh my gosh, what's it going to do to these young girls? So for particularly, you might think the Babysitter's Club is an air quote safe series yeah. because... They're not young, sexual at all. They're not sexual at Well, they all have crushes, but it's like the most saccharine thing in the world. Yeah. But you could, and I remember this, that you know everyone, ever, all of my friends who read those stories, we all identified with a particular person and you can even say now like which member of the babysitter Marianne. are you you're Marianne yes wow fascinating who would you have pegged me as I thought you would have been a Christy really Christy would have been my second probably I'm a Christy Christy was just a little 100%. too tomboyish I was a major tomboy yeah. I mean I was also, but I didn't like to think charge. of myself that way she was in charge I would have been in charge I would have been Marianne in charge I don't think I think that's so antithetical it's to not I'm a complicated person 
you are a complicated flower. But I'm yeah. just saying Marianne, Marianne was okay. Maybe Marianne exerted her power by giving it to other people in the club. And that was the greatest <laughs> expression of her power. It's true. <laughs> I don't know. But you could be any member of those. You know how, like, you meet people and they're like, I would have been a Dawn. And it's like, yeah. please stop. Who would or have someone been a who's Dawn? like, I'm a Claudia. And it's like, absolutely no, you're not. not. No. First Nobody of all, I think we probably both grew up in very white circumstances, right? 100%. Like, yeah. And so we were just dying to have, like, yeah. an ethnic friend or be, you know, ethnic. I wanted and, like, to know anyone who was different from right, my background. Right, right. But seriously. in Connecticut, like, good luck with that. I mean, especially my part of Connecticut. Seriously. Yeah. I homeschooled. Come on. But, yes, exactly. <laughs> but no one that I have ever met. Actually, I take that back. One person that I've ever met would be a Dawn. And you also know this person. Oh. But really, right? Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, she's a Dawn. 100% and not a Dawn. like a bad way. Like, she's a wonderful person. I think she she's is. fantastic. Uh, but and like, I think, to, to her credit, she would own that. If oh, we said completely. To her, listen, we're If she knew down, what the hell we were talking listen, about. that's fair. If we she's said, younger she's than us. She's a little us. bit younger than us. <laughs> we sat her down and we're just like, listen, this is not an intervention. This is just to have a conversation with you. Yeah. And this is safe space. We've, like, we're reading you on a babysitter spectrum. You are a Dawn. Mm-hmm. I think she would accept it. I knew people who identified with Stacy, and I just remember being like my eight-year-old self, my internal eyebrow raised, like, mm-mm. You're, well, no one's a Dawn. No one's a Stacy. No one is a Claudia. Absolutely not. We pretty much have Christy and Marianne. That's it. And kind but of Claudia's Mallory. Claudia's style was so off the charts, yeah. like, beyond anything. We like, all wanted to do We like all that. wanted to be that, but there's no possible way. Tried to wear oversized shirts and scrunchies. Oh, and she wore the Blossom hats. Like, yeah. She just had it going on on a way. And she was kind of like the Sweet Valley High in Babysitter's Club. Yeah. Like Sweet Valley so High to me was always like aspirational and always yeah. like I will never get there. But it's interesting to read about. Yeah. But anyway, like circling back, I think a lot of the ways that people talk about these characters is that they have to be good people mm-hmm. because girls will become obsessed with these series. Yeah. And they will map themselves onto these characters. And if we present them with people who are anything less than perfect or you know smart intelligent Anna Green Gables yeah Christy half pint yeah um, girl from the horse books whatever (laughs) who I don't remember I just remember the horse beauty does um (laughs) then that's a real problem and I still think that that's different than the way we talk about um boys in series absolutely and Harry Potter is kind of like an interesting place to see all of this come together. I and talk I, about that all day. <laughs> I know. I know you love Harry Potter. I do. First of all, before we begin, did you know that Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling, and I have the same birthday? I did not. I don't want you to be too jealous of me about I'm a this. little jealous. I know how much you love Harry Potter. I do want to finish one thing about the other conversation Go before for we move it. on to that, because yeah. that's like a whole thing. Um, and it, that's that like kind of to women and girls and things that were written for women and girls you know, yeah. being trashed like that. Um, I don't know if you know Lacey Green on YouTube. She's like a, she's a sex positive, like YouTube yes, yes, yes. Yep. Uh, personality. I don't know. How, this is, this is where like my age line is drawn. <laughs> I know YouTube and I use it, but I don't know all the lingo. Yeah. She's um, like a, a, she, a vlogger. I believe I, that's a thing. I guess. We'll but she, but that. she also like, she like, is like a public figure as well. Like she, she uh, does stuff for MTV. I think. Yeah, she well, she does now. Yeah, uh, she didn't start that way. Okay. Um, but um, she got a pretty big following, and so MTV uses her. But she actually did a video on um, fangirls and why they. And she was talking more about music, but it really applies to this in exactly the same way, and um, how people like really shouldn't hate on fangirls, like for One Direction or whatever. whatever. 
um, because it's a really important part of like female like sexual empowerment uh, and how like, you know, girls really are never given any tools, right? for that like boys are right like you know it's just this kind of thing like we stumble around in because it's supposed to be weird for us to like have right right like for us to have sexuality we're supposed to just be like non-sexual little beings until completely shut down yeah until until the boys become sexual and want us to be sexual with them right right like that's that's where our sexuality starts uh, or is supposed to start and uh and like this whole like fandom world is yeah. a really important way for girls to like experience that. And I think that absolutely, absolutely applies to things like Twilight. Is Twilight like the healthiest? Like probably not, but it's also probably not the worst either. Like, I don't think it's the worst. I think to what complicates conversations about Twilight is that people have a sense that there is a kind of religious vision that may, that people know at least that, that the too. author is religious. I actually did not know that. And I, I do not know that. Okay. I, I believe you, but, so I, but the, that, that seems is to me. imbuing kind of the morality of the Twilight world. No, no, I can see that. Particularly with sexuality. Yeah, I can see that. And so I think that that's kind of in the mix. And but, I mean, the whole abortion thing in the fourth oh, book, right, that's yeah. kind of a whole thing too. That's a whole Like, thing. no, like I, I totally get that. Um, but did you, like, I remember reading, so I went to Catholic school. I started mm-hmm. out in public school. Then basically they were like, we think you should be in special ed because we think you're not that bright. That's nonsense. When I was in third grade. That's nonsense. But anyway, so it doesn't matter. But that's how I ended up in Catholic school, which is kind of a Mm -hmm. weird evolution. Usually it goes the other way around. Mm -hmm. Um, So we did not get any kind of like sex ed, obviously, in Catholic school. No. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do not have sex ed. It's a very special kind. It's like one class. Mm -hmm. And they're like, your body is changing. Ignore it. Lock it down. Lock that down. (laughs) If you feel feelings, just... Don't talk about it. Don't ask. Don't tell. Yeah. Um, but I remember like reading Judy Bloom very secretly, mm-hmm. and that's like like forever. You know, surprisingly, that was not a big part of my like reading life. So how did you learn? Because you also were raised in a religious home, correct? Yeah. So I mean, were there any books that you kind of read secretly, or things that were shut down that you were like, okay, I kind of feel like I need to be educated about something. And I'm going to, yeah. like, turn to books as kind of, like, a place. That was never a conscious yeah. thing. But, like, you know, you start reading things and, you like, and it supports the feelings that you have. Mm-hmm. And so you sort of start seeking out yeah. more things like that. Um, so, I, and I, I feel like that would probably be, so, like, Sweet Valley, the Sweet Valley Twins, right? Yeah. Like, that would, that would be, or Sweet Valley High, really. I mean, it, those are not pr- particularly sexual, but they are, like, but they're very, like, romantic and, like, girls, yeah. like, figuring out how they feel about, you know, only dudes because they were very straight. But super straight. <laughs> yeah. Super straight. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine growing up, like, an LGBT kid at that time. Really, even now. But, like, yeah, at that time where, like, there's, like, nothing. Like, there's no, no, none of the books yeah. that everyone knows, none of them that I can think of dealt with anything like that but no i mean i'm still thinking every series we've talked about today and i'm thinking the ones that i read growing up there's nothing no um well why don't we end with this so what are you reading right now or what what's something that you've just read that you would love to recommend or what are you reading right now all right so right now i'm actually rereading the last harry potter book wow i told you earlier i am a habitual rereader so what do you reread frequently? Um, I reread Harry Potter frequently enough. Um, I tend to read, I, I do a lot of audiobooks right now in graduate school yeah. because I can listen to them while I like clean or cook dinner. Not that I do a lot of cleaning, 
um, while I'm uh, walking across campus, you know, eating lunch, whatever. Um, that's how I get my fiction in. Yeah. Um, so I usually, in about this time of year, I will listen to the first three Anne of Green Gables books, three or four. The fourth one um, was not, a th- which the fourth one, which is Anne of Winnie Poplars, which is one of my favorites, um, is I don't think has been officially recorded as an audiobook. Okay. You can get it on like some of these like read for the blind audiobook things but it's like people recording them at, at their house and i swear to god one guy's kid was crying like while he was reading it so it's, <laughs> did it's, that add to the experience or detract? it did not and and it's in, in like there's no like sound quality it's it's it can be a very not enjoyable experience so you need a soothing voice yeah like I, a... audio audiobooks are a production like a movie okay. and and um the harry potter audiobooks are hands down like some of the best they are yes. in terms of production quality. Have you listened to them? I've heard Jim yes. Dale is unbelievably amazing. He's the narrator, um, and they're they're very well done. And he is an excellent narrator. Okay. Um, also, there there is a book that I tend to reread this time of year as well, which is um, um, it's called The Rook, and it's by Daniel O'Malley. It's not the, like most wonderfully written, but it's pretty good. Like, um, on a scale of, like, Dean Coots to Stephen King, it's on, like, the Stephen King end. I am a big fan of Stephen King. Okay. Um, and um, so the rook is really good. I don't want to spoil it. Um, but it's about a girl who, at the beginning, a woman who, at the beginning of the book, wakes up in the rain in a park with, like, 40 dead bodies in white lab coats all around her. Wow. And I like it. I, a lot of people I don't think would necessarily take this from it. She's lost her memory. She doesn't know who she is. She wakes up and she doesn't know who she is. And I feel like one of the coolest things about the book is um, how it really illustrates the importance of experience and memory in the uh, creation of the self. Wow. So the, wow. that's my, uh, I feel like there was some other one, but those, those are my big wintertime. So we'll put those on. I'll put those on the website, yeah. and I will also put your Twitter handle up. So if somebody wants to get at you about <laughs> Anne of Green Gables, they can. Yes. I also hope somebody will contact us who also feels as strongly about Anne of Green Gables. And yeah. We can I didn't really get to talk that. about like my real feelings about it either. Like I have like so many feelings. Like which is what? Well, that just I don't know. Like there's too many, I guess. Like wow. About Anne, it's like a very complicated character about whether or not like what what about it is feminist and what about it is not feminist um those kinds of things like it's fair enough there's a lot there's a lot thank you so much for being oh, no problem i hope show. i didn't bore you too much not at all. or ramble not at oh, my all. i feel like i learned so much about you and this was yeah. fun for me and of course i'm gonna challenge you reach i will and i hope listeners out there will get in touch with me who want to be in a conversation about <laughs> jane Eyre, and maybe we'll have a theme episode <laughs> We're going to be hearing more from Jordan later this year. I'd like to thank her for what she shared so far. If you'd like to get in touch with Jordan about Anne of Green Gables, Jane Eyre, or any of her potentially controversial opinions, you can find her on Twitter at jhelene. That's J-H-E-L-E-N-E. Visit our website, www.chapterspod.com, if you'd like to share your story on Chapters. We are dedicated to sharing the stories of readers' lives through the books that have meant the most to them. On our website, you can also find links to every book mentioned on this and every episode. You can follow us at ChaptersPod on Twitter and find us on Facebook. 
I'm Mary Mahoney, and you can follow me at MaryMahoney123. I'd like to thank our technical director, Taylor, who engineered and produced this episode and also wrote our theme music. She can be found on Twitter at MJTThePhD. Thanks for listening to Chapters. Thank you.